Welcome to the Facts and Figures podcast. I'm your host Paul and today I'll be talking about the firebombing air raids of Tokyo in World War II. On the night of March 9th, 1945, B-29 bombers in the US Air Force began dropping incendiary bombs on the city of Tokyo. This air raid known as Operation Meeting House is regarded as the single most destructive bombing raid in human history. In a three-hour period, 325 B-29s dropped 1,600 tons of firebombs, leaving an estimated 100,000 civilian dead, over 100 million homeless and 16 square miles, that's 41 square kilometers, of central Tokyo destroyed. General Curtis LeMay, commander in charge of the operation, had made the decision to take a dramatic departure from the conventional missions the B-29 bomber was designed to perform. High-altitude daylight precision bombing, developed for use against Germany, was not effective in Japan for two reasons. First, bombs dropped at high altitude were often blown off their trajectory by a consistently powerful jet stream over the Japanese home island, which reduced target hit rate to less than 5%. Secondly, with exception of aircraft manufacturing plants, Japan off-sourced and subcontracted production of war materials to smaller facilities and even homes, scattering them to prevent large concentrated targets for bombing. Germany had implemented this strategy later in the war, but too late for them to, to make any difference in the Allied bombing campaign of Europe. Lima's decision to change tactics shocked and angered the pilots and crews of his command. Instead of flying in daylight at over 25,000 feet, where losses of Japanese fighters and ground-based air defense had been minimal, he ordered that the missions would be flown at night, at low altitudes, from 5,000 to 9,000 feet, and incendiary bombs would be used instead of conventional high explosives. Contrary to the opinion of the pilots under his command, Limay believed that the Japanese air defenses would be ineffective against the bombers at night. In turn, Limay's gamble succeeded and resulted in destroying huge areas of Tokyo and other major Japanese cities with very few losses in men and aircraft. Japanese cities in general were largely constructed of combustible materials such as wood and paper and the firefighting measures were usually severely inadequate. Hence, the firebombs were extremely effective at destroying large parts of cities, taking a high toll in human casualties. The bombing campaign would have continued in the months leading up to the expected invasion of Japan in November of 1945, but the two atomic bombs finally convinced Emperor Hirohito and Japanese leaders to surrender and avoid the final annihilation of Japan. Historians agree that the firebombing of Tokyo on the night of March 9, 1945 was the single deadliest air raid of World War II, greater than Dresden, Hamburg, Hiroshima or Nagasaki as single events. Let's take a minute to compare casualties. Both the city centers of Hiroshima and Nagasaki were destroyed in an instant, with casualties approximating 80,000 dead and 40,000 dead respectively. Although the death toll of the Tokyo air raid with 100,000 civilian deaths is only slightly higher than Hiroshima, the property damage far exceeds the damage caused by either of the atomic bombs. The firebombing destroyed 16 square miles, 
that's 41 square kilometers of one of the most densely populated cities at that time. Hiroshima was 4.7 square miles, that's 12 square kilometers destroyed, and in Nagasaki, um, the destruction was around one square mile, that's 1.6 square kilometers for comparison. The role of the nuclear bombings in Japan's surrender and the ethical controversies surrounding the United States' justification for their use have been the subject of much debate. On one hand, it has been argued that the bombings caused a Japanese surrender, thereby preventing casualties that a US-led invasion of Japan would have involved. A view among critics of the bombings is the idea of nuclear diplomacy. The United States used nuclear weapons to intimidate the Soviet Union in the early stages of the Cold War. Henceforth, Japan could have been forced into submission by sheer force of intimidation. Although not accepted by mainstream historians, this became the position in Japanese school history textbooks. I don't want to take a position on these issues. Instead, I'm trying to point out that conventional weapons, if used in a specific setting, have the ability to equal or even surpass the destructive power of nuclear weapons. I also want to raise awareness for this seldomly known historical event, particularly in the context of ethical warfare. That's it for today. Thanks for listening. If you want to support the show, please leave a review in your podcast app of choice or share it with your friends. See you next time.